Um, okay, so I'm going to be talking about practicing the presence of God. Um, as we all know, His presence is always with us. And, you know, we hear that in church, we read it in the Bible, we, you, even people who aren't Christians know, yeah, God's with me. You know, we all talk about that. But there's a difference between having that knowledge in our heads and experiencing that in our hearts. And um, so I want to ask you, do you feel his presence with you in your day-to-day, -day, whatever you're doing? Do you, do you feel like, I really know God's with me? And are you alert and aware of his presence with you in everything that you're doing? Do you feel his love with you? Do you feel like you've really experienced like that feeling of, I'm just so loved by God? Or is it something that you know in your head? Because that's, as Christians, that's what we know. Um, have you experienced him helping you and guiding you and kind of having in, asking him for his strength and having that injection of strength that you feel like just gets you through something that you were scared of doing or worried about? So I'm going to talk a little bit about how we get from having knowledge in our head to experiencing that in our hearts. And I, I think part of it is that the Holy Spirit helps us in that. It's not something that, you know, we do a whole lot of things. Well, we do do things, but in all of it, it's the Holy Spirit that helps us. And it's not just a once-off experience that, you know, I was on this camp and it was amazing and I really felt the presence of God, but it's something that we should be experiencing every day in our busyness, in our all of our lives are crazy to some degree, um, that's when we should be experiencing the presence of God. So Gareth linked, in fact, he used quite a lot of my talk in his talk this morning. I was sitting there thinking, okay, tick, 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 tick. Anyway, <laughs> it's good to hear things twice, and eh? then you won't forget. So Gareth linked spiritual warfare for us this morning to God's presence and to being close to him. And in James 4, it says, you know, that if we resist the devil, he will flee. And one of the ways we resist the devil is by having a close relationship with Jesus. The devil wants nothing to do with Jesus. He hates him. And if we're close to Jesus, that's one of the ways we resist him and keep him away. Um, a friend of mine, I, whenever I think of um, being in God's presence, a friend of mine had a, as a WhatsApp pitch, picture, um, profile picture, whatever you call it, um, it was a picture of a, a lady walking, and behind her was this massive lion. And it was kind of like a picture of us with God. And I was talking with um, Yanka this morning um, when Gareth got us to pray together. And we were just saying we both felt so um, impacted by that picture of, you know, when, when we hear about who God is, and then we think we, we fear and we're discouraged about stuff, and then we think about who God is, and we think, it just doesn't make any logical sense to be afraid or discouraged or worried about anything when you actually think about who God is. And that picture, I'm a very much a story picture kind of person. And I always feel like God often speaks to me through stories and stuff. And I, I just saw that picture and I just, I often think about that when I think about God with me. He's this huge lion. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a lion. I mean, they, they're big animals and they're scary animals. But yet we know as Christians this it can be a big scary God to somebody who doesn't know him and hasn't accepted Jesus. But as Christians who do know Jesus, he's on our side, he's for us and he's with us. And I think what an amazing picture that this fearful animal 
that he's likened to is with us and walking with us. Now, just talking about God, um, I, I just felt to start by talking about who he is. And um, if we want to practice being in his presence, I thought, let's just take a minute to think about whose presence we want to be in and who is this God that we want to practice being in his presence. Um, I want to stir a hunger and a desire in you to want to be with him. Um, Perhaps I don't know where you all, I um, assume you all know Jesus, um, but I don't know where you are in your walk with Jesus. I don't know whether you are feel like you're really close to him or whether you feel like you know about him, but you're kind of struggling to feel his closeness with you. I know a lot of people say they struggle to excuse me, feel God's love, and I think that's about feeling close to him. Um, I want you to experience that feeling of having like a passion bubbling up inside of you when you think about Jesus. And that when you think about being in his presence, it's like this passion and love and excitement bubble up inside of you. So I want you to tell you a little bit about him. <laughs> so he is the nicest person you will ever know. Now nice is such a word, but he really is. And if you think about the nicest person you know, somebody who's really kind, somebody who's just nice. It's somebody you want to be around. You want to be with them because they just make you feel nice. You know, you, everybody wants to be with somebody like that. And I'm sure you can all picture somebody who is like that. Well, Jesus is like a million times better than that. So you can think of a really nice human and they don't even begin to compare to how amazing Jesus is. I think my favorite attribute about God is his kindness. I think kindness is just such a beautiful attribute because it kind of gets your emotions. I don't know if you've ever watched, like on YouTube, you get these like pass it on videos, like where they pass on kindness and this person does something kind to this person who does something kind to that person. I always cry in them because <laughs> it's just so beautiful to see kindness shown to people. Um, and any good attribute, any good thing comes from God. We don't have anything good in us. Anything good in us is actually just a tiny bit of God in us. And just thinking of Jesus, I think, wow, he's just so kind and so, so lovely. Why wouldn't we want to be in his presence? He's also so gentle. He's not harsh with us. He's not exasperated by us. I sometimes think, you know, when you've done the same thing wrong again, you know, I'm sure you've all experienced that, not just me. And you think, oh, he must be feeling like, ah, oh, she's done it again. Like when she's going to stop this or when she's going to start trusting me in this. But he doesn't, he doesn't feel that towards us. He doesn't feel exasperated with us. Rather, his heart and his arms are open towards us. He's also so approachable. You know, some people can be quite aloof. Like, I was horrified. Somebody once told me in high school, she said, when I first met you, I thought you were very aloof. And I was, oh, I was horrified. But I, I know it was that I was just shy. And I think shy people can come across like that. And you, perhaps you know somebody who's a bit aloof and isn't approachable. Well, Jesus is not like that at all. He's so approachable. He's not aloof. He's so welcoming towards us. He also never changes Whatever you read in the Bible about Jesus and God is what he was then and what he is today. So we never have to think that he's changed or that he is changing. 
He's always the same. And his emotions don't fluctuate like ours. Um, yeah, emotions can be a tricky thing, hey? <laughs> Some people, I've, I work with this lady, and I said to Gareth the other day, it's weird, like I feel like I re really connect with her, and then the next day she just walks past me, and I'm like, I felt like we had this connection, and now you're just not even greeting me, it's weird. God never does that. He's big and he's strong. We are safe and protected by him because he controls everything and has power over all things. So just like that big lion walking behind that lady, he's got everything sorted. He's got everything in control. We don't have to. We can honestly walk, you know, like kids can walk next to their dads thinking, there's nothing that can hurt me. I've got my dad with me. You know, we can walk around life knowing that, that God's got us. And even if bad things do happen, God's with us in that. And the devil really has no power in comparison to God. So we actually don't need to fear him at all. And he is love. He died and he suffered for you so that you would know freedom from the sin and the guilt that we all have. And to be excited about an eternal life with him. I really get excited when I think about heaven because I just think of anything in life that I'm not getting to do. Sometimes I think, oh, I just want to be able to have time to do this. And then I often think, oh, it's fine. I've got all eternity. And I'm going to have all eternity with Jesus and with all my Christian brothers and sisters and friends that I haven't seen for years because they live on the other side of the world. Now it's okay. We've got eternity. And I think what an amazing thing because... We trust in Jesus, and because we've got Jesus, he's given us that gift, that this life is not everything. I'm sure you've heard people who aren't Christians who live for this life. Everything has to be fitted in now, because then you die. And we don't have to fit everything in now. We don't have to experience everything now. We don't have to do everything now, because we've got all eternity. Um, I read an amazing book called Gentle and Lowly, and I just want to read a quote from it. If the actions of Jesus are reflective of who he most deeply is, we cannot avoid the conclusion that it is the very fallenness which he came to undo that is most irresistibly attractive to him. His deepest impulse, his most natural instinct, is to move towards that sin and suffering, not away from it. And I think this was the thing that caught me most in that book. Because I often used to think if I'd done something wrong, oh, I, I don't really want to go to Jesus because I'm very aware of what I've done. And you kind of, even though you know you can ask his forgiveness, I think naturally we kind of pull back. But I love this. His deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and not away from it. And that's Jesus' heart. That's his impulse. That's what he naturally does. He died for your sin and that's, he just comes towards you in that which makes him forgiving and merciful. We just recently had a, a, a thing at church um, where somebody got into some sin and the consequences were pretty devastating. But they were, merc I mean, they weren't merciful. They were repentant and they went to Jesus and asked for forgiveness and they were remorseful. And the, it was just so beautiful be to be able to say to that person, Jesus has forgiven you. His heart towards you is just mercy. He's not thinking, right, because you did this. Okay, now these, this is what I'm going to do. So the consequences, you know, they, they hurt bad enough. God doesn't need to beat us up as well. And it's just so beautiful to be able to experience that and to be able to t help each other and encourage each other with that.
This is just like a little drop in the ocean of how amazing God is. And, I mean, we could talk all day like this, um, but we don't have enough time for that. So what I want us to do now is just for five minutes to, in groups, maybe not bigger than three, otherwise it takes too long to get around um, everybody having a turn. I want you to talk about your experience of God. Do you feel excited about knowing Jesus? Do you feel like you've got this kind of welling up excitement about knowing him? Or do you feel like there's a little bit of indifference, or maybe not indifference, but just kind of like, uh, I just don't really feel that. I remember a friend of mine saying to me she was saved and um, loved Jesus, but she said, I just don't feel like that like passion in my heart. Um, and I think some of the things we're going to talk about can help that. But if you feel like that, just share with each other where you're at. Um, and then I want you to just think about, I've mentioned a few attributes of God. Just think about maybe some that I haven't mentioned, some that maybe excite you about God. Okay, so practicing the presence of God, what does this actually mean? So I was thinking about the word practicing. Practicing actually can be, or practice can be a verb and a noun. So it's something we can do and something that is a thing. So if we think of practicing as a verb, it's something that takes time. If there's something that you want to get better at, you have to practice. And it's an intentional decision to spend time doing that to get better at it. So it comes from a desire to get better at something. And I think the more you do it, the better you get. And the more you a, a passion for it grows in you. Um, practicing is also a noun. Um, John Mark Comer wrote a book about... Um, trying to remember. I looked at the title before I came, but I can't remember what it was now. Something about Harry. That's, yes. So you know who John Markoma is. <laughs> so he talks about having a set of practices. You've probably all read the book. Um, having a set of practices that we follow so that we're setting up our life in a way that makes abiding in Jesus and being with Jesus a central part of our lives. So Practicing the presence of God is something that we do. It's something that takes practice, that we train ourselves in to become more aware of his presence because he's always with us. But it's, it's, it's always us is the problem. So if, God, if we feel far from God, it's not that he's drawn away from us. It's that we are, have drawn away from him. If we're feeling that he doesn't love us, it's not that he doesn't love us. It's that we, you know, it's, the problem is normally with us. Um, he doesn't ever do anything wrong. So he's always with us. It's us that needs to be aware of the fact that he's with us. So it's practicing of, you know, practicing becoming more aware of his presence. And it's also making some decisions in our life to put habits in place or create habits that make abiding in him and being close to him and spending time with him a central part of our lives. So I'm going to talk first about becoming more aware of his presence. <clears throat> um, so I thought the thing to look at is actually the things that draw us away from knowing his presence. Um, so Gareth spoke this morning about one of the, the devil's ways of attacking us or kind of drawing us from God is distraction. Um, and there's so many things that distract us from becoming consciously aware of God's presence. And I think one of the busy, one of the biggest things is busyness. The life we live, the um, 
just the world that we live in is just busy. I think it's almost impossible not to be busy with work and everything that is in our lives. Um, and the devil is actively at work to distract us and to make us busy. Um, he, wants us he wants us distracted because he doesn't want us to be close to Jesus. He doesn't want us to have that life-giving relationship with Jesus because he knows what we'll be like if we're close to Jesus. He knows what being close to Jesus will do for us. And so he is trying everything he can to pull us away from God. Um, he doesn't want us to remember that we have got this amazing, awesome God walking right beside us all the time. Um, we sing a song in church, and I, I just love it because it talks about God being in front of us, leading us, being beside us as our friend, being behind us, He's protecting us. He's got our back and within us, helping us and being our strength. And I just think it's just the most beautiful picture because he's everything to us. Um, Gareth read these. I'm saying that a lot. Eh? <laughs> um, Gareth read these verses this morning in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your, en your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we have to be alert. Um, put on all of God's armor in Ephesians so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We can't be naive and think that he, he isn't too bothered with us. He hates Jesus and he hates everybody who represents him. And so he doesn't want us to have any impact on the world. And he is trying everything to stop us. Um, I'm a grade one teacher and so my days are chaotic. <laughs> I often leave home and think, okay, I'm going to think about Jesus today. I'm going to do this. And I walk into the classroom and walk out at whatever time. And I think, oh, Jesus didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of you have got days that are chaotic and busy. And that's just what life is like. Um, but I've tried to do little things to remind myself that Jesus is with me. So I'll just tell you some of the little practical things. So I put a, an hourly charm, a chime on my phone. So every hour, I actually need to do something different because now it's been on there for so long, now I don't even notice it anymore. <laughs> so I need to think of something new. But for a while it worked. Um, this thing would chime every hour and then I'd be like, oh yeah, Jesus is with me. Um, when I read my Bible in the morning, I often write one of the verses that I've read and put it on a sticky note. And then when I get to school, I stick it in my planner, which I look at 50 times a day. And then I'm always looking at that verse and it's reminding me that Jesus is with me. Um, and then I think also just talking about him. Um, I think the more we spend time with Jesus, the more he does something in our hearts that we want to talk about him. And if you're looking for opportunities to talk about him, they, they're all around us all the time. And I've got a lot of friends at school who don't know Jesus. And it's actually quite useful being a pastor's wife. Because <laughs> then they all, oh, you don't have to tell them you're a Christian. They just know. Because that's, your, your husband's a pastor. Or assume, yeah. <laughs> um, so I talk very openly about, oh, I just felt God tell me this, and I, I felt God show me this, and they're all just like, okay, and I know they're just like, phew, that's way out of what I understand. But it's become kind of a, a thing that I just naturally do, 
And I think when you start including talking about Jesus as just part of your everyday, it just does help you remember that he's with you. Um, another one of John Mark Comer, he says, practicing the presence of God is mastering the art of always being in two places at once, whatever you are doing and being in the presence of God. So it's, very, it's a very difficult thing to think, okay, I want to, I want to be aware of Jesus' presence, so okay, I've got holidays now, so I've got time, I can read my Bible more. You know, that's just not how it works. So it's great to have those times. But most of the time, we're getting up early, we're going to work, we're busy all day, we're getting home, we're cooking supper, life is going on. And we've got to find ways that we can include Jesus with, with us in that. I talk to my class a lot about Jesus, and I often tell them, you know, when you're having a bath, when you... I say to them, on the toilet, and then the boys always love that. <laughs> or when you're doing, sorry, never. <laughs> when you're driving in the car, when your mom's driving in the car, she can also do this. You can talk to Jesus. Just don't close your eyes. Um, <laughs> um, we really can talk to him all the time because he's with us. And he wants to hear, I love what Gareth said earlier, we don't have to pretend with him. Because he already knows what we're thinking. So it's really quite a silly thing to pretend that we are one thing and we're not. Um, to just be able to include every day, just talking to him conversationally about what you're doing. And it is a bit, it does take a bit of practice. Um, but when you kind of get into that, it's actually lovely knowing that you've got this amazing friend with you all the time who's actually really interested and probably way more interested than anybody else in what you have to say. Um, you might have heard of a, a monk from about, sure, 4,000 years ago called Bl Brother Lawrence. And he wrote, a, well, it's actually a book, a collection of conversations and letters that he wrote. Um, and the book's called Practicing the Presence of God. And um, I was just reading snippets of it. And I just want to read this quote to you. It says, let us think of God the most we can. Let us accustom ourselves to the small but holy exercise. No one will notice it, and nothing is easier than to repeat often in the day these little internal adorations. It is very fit and most necessary for a soldier who is daily exposed to the dangers of life. And we are in spiritual warfare. To think that we're not in warfare, we're being naive, and we are soldiers for Jesus. And I think the thing that stood out for me was... Um, Nothing is easier than to repeat often in the day these little internal adorations. And I thought that is one way to be thinking of Jesus a lot, is to have little internal adorations. Like when you see, I love seeing, you know, driving down the road and you see a bunch of beautiful flowers growing on the side of the road. You know, God made those. And you can have a little connection with him over that. Or I love sunrises and golden hour. It's just the best thing. <laughs> um, include Jesus in those joys of seeing his creation, little internal adorations. And when you just appreciate something in someone or just seeing the little kindnesses that he does for us in our lives and the goodness that he shows towards us all the time, those are just little internal adorations that don't take much, but it just takes us to just send our thoughts in that direction. So let's look at some of the practices that we can set up in our lives so that Jesus is central. 
<coughs> Another thing that Brother Lawrence said is that we should feed and nourish our souls with high notions of God, which would yield us great joy in being devoted to him. Um, how do we feed our souls with high notions of him? Now, Gareth said that he's passionate about telling everybody to read the Bible. I feel equally passionate about reading the Bible. Um, sure, I don't know how long it was. Years and years, maybe 15 years ago. I just felt really dissatisfied with the amount of time I spent reading the Bible. I just, you know, I'd kind of, I didn't really have a regular pattern. I kind of read it every now and again. I'd, it was like in fits and starts, like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible in the year, and then I'd get to February, and and or I'm, you know, I'm going to read this book of the Bible and get to chapter four and fizzle out. And I just felt frustrated with myself and kind of had regularish times reading my Bible. Anyway, I was reading a blog, and um, this mom and her four daughters wrote this blog, um, Christians, and they had started, it was quite a well-known blog, and they had started this thing called the 5am Club, and they said, okay, they want to just encourage women to get up early before their families, just get up at five o'clock and read your Bible every day. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And you must know, I was not a morning person. So if you are not a morning person, if I can do it, you can. <laughs> I hated getting up in the morning. And I used to put my, my um, cell phone on the other side of the room so that I had to get up. And my kids were much smaller then. And I did it. And it was hard in the beginning, but I just kept doing it. And sometimes I just thought, oh, I feel like reading my Bible and I'd hear, <laughs> as I remember this one specific day, this teacher at school saying, oh yeah, I get up early in the morning, I read my novel and then I come to school. Her kids were growing up and I was like, oh, I'd rather read my novel. <laughs> um, and it just wasn't something that I, you know, some days reading the Bible is a bit like eating breakfast. You know, it's something you do every day and sometimes it's a great breakfast and other times it's just, ugh, cornflakes you know it's not brilliant um but it's all good for you well I don't know how good cornflakes is for you actually <laughs> it all I was going to say nourishes you I don't know anyway food nourishes you I maybe should have thought of a better example but sometimes it's a really good breakfast and sometimes it's just regular run of the mill and it's the same with reading the bible some days you just think wow that was amazing I just feel like so excited. And other days you're like, yeah, okay. Didn't really get that, but it's okay. Um, and I just kind of was like, nah, but I just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it for year after year after year. And I can honestly say now that if I don't get up and read the Bible, I feel like, like something's just missing. I just feel like start the day wrong. I just, I just miss it. And it's not like a, a rule. It's just something that I've grown to love doing. And I think um, so that, that was a practice that I set up in my life and I decided I'm going to do this. Whether I want to do it or not, I'm just going to do it. And I can honestly say I love reading the Bible now. I would rather read my Bible than my novel. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is something that, you know, I was talking about internal adorations. If you're reading your Bible, you're going to find so many more things that spark those internal adorations. Um, just even reading Psalms helps so much with praying. 
you know, you hear that, um, uh, what's it called, a format for praying, you know, start with worship and don't start with all your requests, but start with worship. And I always used to kind of start like that and then kind of run out of words. Um, and then I started using the Psalms to pray and it was just like amazing because it's just, there's just so much about how amazing God is. Um, so I'd really encourage you, read your Bible. And if you are kind of like I was, then just set a time, whatever time suits you, and just do it regularly. And when it's not working and it's feeling a bit flat, just keep doing it. And you will grow to love reading your Bible. And it, it will grow a passion and a, a desire for Jesus in your heart. Um, and it will also make talking about him so much easier. Because you've just, you know, that's the way he talks to you, through his word. And he will show you so many things about himself that you'll feel full of stuff to talk about. And the wonderful thing is that drawing close to him, um, when we draw close to him, he said that he will draw close to us. He's not a pushy God. If he doesn't feel like we really want him, he's not going to push his way in. He's going to wait for you to show him that you want to be with him. And when you show that, he's going to come to you so much more than what you have to him. Um, so humble yourself before God. Re resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Okay, we're going to do some more group work. So I've got three questions. Um, what can you practically do? So I told you about some of the little things that I've done to try and help myself to remember that he's with me. Maybe brainstorm some things that you can do to remind yourself that he's with you every day. And then maybe talk about the things that distract you. Um, maybe some of the things you want to change so that you um, aren't distracted. And also recognizing where the devil is distracting you and then stand up to him and, no, you're not going to get the better of me. <laughs> And then what other things can, I've spoken about reading the Bible, and I missed something, I've just realized, ha, huh, sorry. I was just going to say, I've spoken about some of the habits or practices that we set up to um, make abiding in Jesus central in our life, and I only mentioned reading the Bible, I got so excited about that. <laughs> um, the other one is being in community, and Gareth spoke this morning about like um, a buck that's on its own, you know, the, the line will go for that. Um, I had that picture in here before I heard his message. <laughs> I think it's a pretty common one, isn't it? But don't allow yourself to get isolated. Be in community. Keep going to church. Don't be a once-in-a-month church member. Go every week, whether you feel like it or not. Just go to church because when you don't, you miss out on the sermon. You miss out on um, community with people. You miss out on growing in relationship with other Christians. Um, yeah, and you make yourself vulnerable to the devil. And we don't want him to win anything. Just remember that when you do things like that, when you isolate yourself, when you don't read your Bible, you're actually giving him the upper hand. And do you really want him to have the upper hand? No, we don't. So when you think of it like that, you think, no, I'm not going to let you. That was my other point. Okay, so think about those three things. What you can practically do. What are some of the things that distract you? And where you can stand up to the devil and say no. And then what are some other habits and practices that you can set in your life to um, make abiding in Jesus a central thing? Okay, okay so 
I want to just talk a little bit about how this changes us, how practicing Jesus' presence, by being in his presence, reading the word, doing all these things, how it changes us. So the biggest one is that we become more like him. In Acts 4, Peter and John were brought before the council of elders because they were preaching about Jesus and they didn't like this. And um, it says that they were amazed because of their boldness. But the thing that stands out is says they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And that's just the biggest desire in my heart is that people would see Jesus in me. And I think that should be the passion in all of our hearts is that wherever we go, people see Jesus in us. And I think people who don't know Jesus, who aren't Christians, aren't going to recognize it as Jesus, but we can make the connection for them and we can talk about Jesus. You know, Jesus is so amazing and then people can think, oh, we're so amazing because we are like Jesus, but that's when we've got to make the connection that it's not actually us, it's Jesus in us. And um, it's just such an amazing opportunity for people to know a bit about Jesus. Um, we'll be more fruitful. Um, you know, if you think of a fruit tree, it doesn't try to grow apples or try to grow fruit. It just does. Um, and it's the same with the fruits of the Spirit. We don't have to try to be self-controlled and try to be kind and try to be gentle. When we spend time with Jesus, those things just automatically start happening. Um, we don't have to strive to be like him when we in his presence and we're spending time with him we'll find that slowly we just do become more kind and we slowly do become more gentle and so i mean the fruits of the spirit are love joy joy and peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and um having joy and peace in our world is actually quite a rare thing and I think it really stands out when people are peaceful because most people are not. And we don't live in a country that is peaceful or in a world that's peaceful. So when we are peaceful and filled with joy in amidst circumstances that are not joyful, it's going to be noticeable. And that's what Jesus does in us. So Jesus has these fruits in bucket loads we have some of them on a good day, maybe. And if we spend more time with him, then we will also have it in bucket loads because we've been with him. Um, our perspective on life also changes. You know, the world's perspective on life and the world's perspective on things is so warped and so dismal. Um, we can really make such a difference to the people around us, just by, around us, just by the way we see things and just the way in the way that we, our perspective can just be different um, because it becomes more like him. And we become more effective Christians and we're going to affect people around us. And that, isn't that why we're here? We're here because we want people to know Jesus. Um, we were watching a video in church the other night. Um, a couple in our church are um, going to the Middle East. And um, we watched a, a, a video just about some of the, horrifying t statistics of the amount of people that don't know Jesus and um, the song that was playing in the background of the video was a, I, th I think it was Delirious 
And one of the lines was, it's an emergency. And I think we don't see it as an emergency sometimes because, you know, it's just, we live with people who don't know Jesus. And, but it's an emergency. If Jesus comes back and people don't know Jesus, they're not going to have eternity with him. And that is an emergency. It's a terrible thing. And Jesus has put us wherever we are and we have a responsibility to be like him. And we're not going to be like him if we're not spending time with him, if we're not doing these things. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Johnny Erickson Tarda. She um, is a quadriplegic. She had a diving accident when she was 17. And she's now, I think, in her 60s or 70s. And um, I follow her on Instagram. And she um, puts these little short little videos on and she is amazing to not be able to move your arms and legs not be able to walk for decades of your life and she is joyful and she's lovely and I just think oh, that is only Jesus um, anyway she says when we abide in Jesus we have an imprint of something divine about our lives others are drawn to Jesus and us because we are contented we have courage in trials, and we are people of peace. Close to, closeness to Jesus repels the devil. He doesn't want to be near us. He doesn't want to be near Jesus. And wherever Jesus is, there's light, and he is darkness. And um, we're going to have that light of Jesus in us. The devil doesn't have a chance when we've got the light of Jesus in us. So we're going to just do one more thing together. I've got printed here some... Um, John 15 talks about um, Jesus being the true vine. And if you think of a vine, the branches are all connected into the, the main plant. And if they're not, they die. And it's the same with us. If we're not connected in with Jesus, we die spiritually. Um, so what I want you to do is I want you to just read this passage just on your own. There's two versions, the, the New Living Translation and the um, ESV. Just read it five minutes and then get together in your groups and just chat about maybe what stood out for you and then pray for each other that you would go out from here and if you're not feeling that passion and that desire to be with Jesus, just pray that God would help you to just start doing some of these things so that can start growing in you. Okay.